Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night. I'm Hunter, joined by Silas and Brody in studio. Mm. We're in the Griplock studio. Feels good to be back. So it's a little bit of a different vibe here. We're using the same color light as Griplock as well. But uh, that's, no, we're not, dude. Well, we no, can't go to purple not. because purple flashes. We can go to green. We'll be green. That's a banter color, but that's fine. There's no orange? A- anything except for red, green, or blue flashes. Let's try it. Yep, it's flashing. Yep, not to our eyes, to the camera. Oh, interesting. So we got to oh. go. Let's go green. That's like a purple. That's definitely. That's definitely blue. Definitely blue. That's definitely the blue. That's purple. That's purple. purple. That's purple. That's purple. We can do purple. Let's got a flash. It was, Let's go it green. was flickering. Let's go green. Uh, yep, we're green. Once you we'll go, go green, green, you never go green. Green. Um, debate night. We had the Pro Tour Championship just went down. Mm. Um, we got to get your recap a little bit on what twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And you played around. I, yeah, I showed up for one round, won $2,500. Now, if I literally knew that was the case and I just showed up the day of, it, it would have not been that big of a deal. But like being there the week to like practice and all that stuff. And that, then you play one round and... Yeah, it kind of sucked. You're out of there. Definitely would have liked to stay longer, but... I guess that, that, could, be, that could be a play. Just be like, hey... I'm like, YOLO. <laughs> like someone, like if I'm someone who's Playing like blind, if I'm someone who like just made the cut and I'm like, you know, this course doesn't play to my strengths. I'm an open player. Mm. I'm, I'm going to just pay for one hotel night. Get oh, my 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Like to maximize it financially. Yeah. Yeah. Like the just plan show up, the, get it. Go. I don't think you make any for the plan. No, the plan is just to, well, you make 2,500 bucks if you get out. Yeah. You get first the question that we had is does the play-in also have to pay a high registration fee? I was fascinated there was a registration fee because there's guaranteed money. That's also interesting. So yeah. why not? There, there shouldn't be one. Why not have no registration fee unless... There has to be like a back-end financial reason for that to happen. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe it's just to raise the purse. Like they need to have... Yeah, I'm not sure. Who knows? Because if, like, if it's like, let's just call it 300 bucks and there's 10 people paying 300 bucks, that's three grand. But I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Purse. I have a lot of questions. All right. I don't know if you have. Do you have any questions? Do you have any topics? I was going to ask what you, how your round went, but if we, we oh no, you can no, we can, we can go through my round real quick. It, it was the classic Nevin round of where I didn't feel like I was playing terrible, but you just couldn't get anything going. I I couldn't get far enough off the fairway, and um, you know, it's just one of those rounds too where. Everyone's going to have tree kicks. If you watch coverage, everyone, yeah. everyone hit trees. If you are having a great round, you're going to obviously hit less trees and you're, the trees you're hitting are further down the fairway. It just happened to be one of those where like, I wasn't the thing I was very happy with was I never like shank shots and hit a tree really quick off the fairway. Mm. Um, and so it was just one of those where my scrambling wasn't that great, as good as it should have been. And my putting really let me down. So like those two killed me essentially at a chance of moving on, but I would have had to shoot, I think six under for my round to move on, which I think was one of the higher rounds. Cause I think five under got you through the next round. And then I think semifinals might've been like seven, something crazy, six, yeah. but Regardless, this is a course that, you know, if you look at other people that played multiple rounds out there, you have people that were shooting. I mean, you look at Bradley Williams, he shot seven or eight under next round shot even or one over. And then you look at someone like Paul Macbeth, he shot seven under next round. He shot one over. So a course like that over four rounds, a tournament out there would have been really, really interesting because of you. You would have so much variation. Yeah, there, there was definitely, I mean, Nick, Nick loss was a good one too. Like he went five under five under last round, even right. Where it's like, Oh man, Mr. Consistent. It looks like he might just go all the way. Yeah. And then you, you know, he had his one poor round and was shot even. So it's, it's tough when you're not playing incredibly well out there to shoot well, which makes the course, I think exciting if you're looking for that chaos. But I know you guys on grip lock talked a little bit about, the coverage aspect of having a course there. And that's the first topic that I have is, is Nevin a good course for the tour championship or courses like Nevin? Are those good courses? What do you mean? Like I think that a wooded course could be, Mm -hmm. but I think that Nevin was too, it was too much North Carolina woods. 
where they're just like really tight lines. It's a very demanding course, probably a great course to play. A tournament out there probably calls great separation, but filming wise, I've even played Nevin, so I had like context of some of the holes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But and you got to watch coverage of it. When you're watching the coverage, like there was even several times where you were like, you were like, oh, that shot's not gonna be good. And then it turned out being good because on coverage, it was tough to tell what's actually going on. Yeah. Like you, you see a disc flying through trees and you're like, I think I know where that's at. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of times it's like, oh, that's just squaring up that tree and you missed it. Or, or even like for me, a lot of them were dog legs left or dog leg right to where the disc like disappears. And then by the time it cuts to the catch cam, I have no idea where it's at. Yeah, you lose. So the, that was kind of one of my gripes with coverage earlier this season is I felt like on the, especially on the open courses that they too often would cut to catch cam mm-hmm. and you would lose all kind of like where the disc is in relation to the actual hole. And in woods, a lot of times you have to go to catch cam yeah, you don't have an option because the disc is now being blocked by trees or whatnot. And it's the same same problem in woods of where it's like, ah, and I think this course would, this, this is my thoughts on a course like this in the sense of wooded, because I do love courses, I think like Champions Cup, for example, I think a course like that, where you have wider fairways, but you have that woods aspect of where you're still hitting gaps and you still have to scramble if you get off the fairway. I think that course actually does a pretty good job on coverage, watching it and having an idea of what players are trying to do and what mm-hmm. shots they're trying to throw. I think for the tour championship, I think if you were there on the grounds and we haven't talked to anyone, but obviously I was there and I watched, you know, firsthand people playing. I think it is actually pretty enjoyable. Yeah. If you can get a, if you can get a good seat, I think it's really exciting to watch and having to see players struggle and all that stuff and scramble. I think people love that. I didn't get the same when we were watching it yesterday. on Yeah. No, I didn't get the same enjoyment of seeing the disc fly. I think this tournament specifically, at least in my head is one that should more than any other tournament throughout the year be playing to viewers at home because it's the tournament you're trying to sell for the most money, the biggest purse. You're trying to hype this up. This is like one of those, like you want as many eyeballs on this tournament as possible. And so being on grounds might've been great. Might've been like an awesome viewing experience. You know, the course did play well to causing a little bit more randomness Mm -hmm. um, to where even if a player did get hot, you couldn't trust if they were going to stay hot the next day. Whereas some courses, that's just not true. And, but you need it to play well to the viewers at home. And it just didn't. Even like the commentators, like they're not there. Yeah. They didn't know where stuff was landing. They didn't know either. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough for commentators to have an idea of like, if that's actually, cause again, I've, I played the course and I was able to tell you on that one hole, for example, Gannon threw his, I think it was hole 15 or 16, the big flex forehand hole. Yeah. And like you thought Gannon was in a fine spot and I knew exactly where he was because I played that hole. I've been there and I told, and I was like, no, that's, that's going to be cut off. He's not gonna have an angle. But from what we saw initially, you're like, oh, he's in the fairway. He's fine. He's going to be able to get up and down, make a birdie. So for commentators, it's going to be nearly impossible, even if they've played the course before, if they haven't, if it's not fresh in their head and they know exactly all the landing spots, it's going to be nearly impossible. And that's why I think someone like Brian being on the grounds definitely helped. But that all being said, I think the changes that I obviously wasn't there for, I, I've never played the normal layout, but going through, I definitely heard like they, this is a new tee pad or they extended this basket. They definitely did the, the, the Charlotte disc golf community or club or whatever you want to call them. They definitely did a great job of setting up the course as best as they can. Yeah. And again, we'll make this distinction again. There's a huge difference between a good course and a course that's fun to play yeah. and one that works for on tour and works for coverage and the tour championship in my head, in my head, the title tour championship, I want the best of the best. It should be kind of like worlds, right? It should kind of be a course that challenges all aspects of disc golf. Yeah. Like I think it should be something that like it, it summarizes the whole season in a course somehow. And this is, this is the great debate on disc golf is because I think there are some people that are saying disc golf should be played on golf courses in the open. I think there are some people, a lot of people saying that should be played in the woods. I think this is one of those topics of where 
I think it's best that we continue to have courses in both locations. There are going to be some people that love the open. There are going to be some people that love the woods. I think going strictly to just one or the majority going strictly to one is not a good idea. No. Um, and I think the reason why we don't see more courses like a Maple Hill that has a great combination of both is it's just very difficult to find right now the property. Yeah, it's the very hard is, it's to very have on land. the ability of having both. Yeah. Um, and that's why we get a lot of tournaments that have two courses for the tournament because it's really hard to find where you can make good woods. And I think some of these golf courses are, are doing a decent job of where they're putting us in the rough of where we're having to play through like Portland open, for example, for as open of a course it was, there were a couple holes that they threw us into the rough woods, having to hit shots, hit gaps. So I, I like that aspect of we're still not just kind of going and throwing down fairways. I think that can get definitely repetitive and boring, but yeah, I, that, that would be my only gripe with the tour championship. And it's the same thing as if next year they're like, Hey, the tour championship championship is going to be at Jonesboro. As much as I love that course in the sense of like, yeah, it's, it, it favors my game. Sure. I, I'll be happy with that. But again, does it do a great job of showing off the talents and the skills of the entire season? Yeah. I don't think so. I think yeah. you're, I think you're missing a huge gap hitting, scrambling, all that, those aspects when you go to a course like Jonesboro. No, absolutely. So I'm, I'm on both sides in the sense of like, I don't, I don't want it to just be woods. Well, I, don't I think, I think the woods, the right wooded course, like you said, WR Jackson would have been fine, but like definitely would have been gotta be able to see the disc fly a little more. Yeah. I think is the key on coverage. Okay. Yeah. And another one we got here was based off of the, the finishing hole. Do we think hole 18 was a good finishing hole. And and I can kind of throw that into also, do you think it was a good first playoff hole? And this was an interesting one. One I didn't think about on the playoff side before we get to whether or not it's a good hole, a good finishing hole to, to start that the playoff side. I didn't even think about this. You're literally playing a wooded course for 16 and a half holes, right? The first essentially, I mean, hole four is a little open. Um, and then hole, uh, it's like nine or eight. I think it's kind of just like a 330 foot shot with the gaps pretty big, but for the most part, you're playing a wooded course and then you get to hole 18 and it's like two open shots. Yeah. So like having the first playoff beyond that, I, I didn't even think like when we were watching it, I didn't even think like, Oh my God, they're going to 18. That makes no sense. This is a wooded course. Why are yeah. they going to that? I think strictly they went to 18 simply because one, you don't have to move around too far. You move the gallery. Hole one's not hole one's not the greatest hole in the world, and also 18's the best hole as far as spectators, as far as like lining the the the, the fairway. But what, what were your thoughts on hole 18 as a finishing hole? I didn't like it, but then Ricky made it look so much easier to birdie that I think it changed my perspective and Same. probably in the incorrect way. Same because like. Ricky just made the hole look easier to birdie than I think it actually was. By doing back-to-back, -back, yeah, so he when, made it when, look like... when Ricky did that, I'm like, well, then this is a great hole because it is easy to birdie. It's just like people just weren't doing it. Like maybe it's because it wasn't a full field or whatever because like all week it looked like everyone's parring this hole. There's danger if you try to get aggressive. So that aspect of like there's danger if you try to get aggressive was good. The problem was it was too hard to birdie, but then Ricky just made it look so easy. I think my biggest issue with that hole is there was only a handful of people in the field that could birdie it, which I think already right there. If you're it, granted, that is not a good reasoning. I hate that reasoning when you go to like a, an, an, another tournament yeah. and you're like, there's like, not everyone can birdie this hole. Well, it's like, well, yeah, we have 120 people in the, yeah, field. the field. There's still like 60 people that aren't good. They shouldn't be on tour. Yeah. Yes. Here you're literally saying these are the best players the best 30. this season. Yeah. The best 30 players from this season are here having a hole where like only a handful of people can birdie. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and that hole, having a hole is fine, but having to be the finishing hole. I don't even know if having a hole sh is that good. Well, like what other hole, like what hole in the, uh, what other hole in the course is not birdieable by everyone in the field. That's the only hole. Yeah, probably. And it's simply because you need to have huge hyzer power backhand and then you need to have either get lucky with the roller, which we saw Gannon basically throw almost the perfect roller, didn't get lucky, or have like a monster forehand uh, like Ricky. I'm trying to think who else maybe 
I mean, Ricky has a huge forehand and like, yeah. and, and that's another thing I want to talk about is like, I, I think not being able to know the distance because again, you weren't there. No, yeah. So you don't know, have any idea how far that forehand was. The commentators aren't there and, and I think they're missing. That is one thing I think having is huge. Now, obviously it didn't make sense to do it in the woods because there's so many times where, I mean, what are you shooting? You're like off scrambling. Do we really care if yeah. he's 300 feet away? But like that hole, like that shows you how having that distance at the end of knowing how far, how far Ricky. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm guessing he was probably from where he's landed. I'm going to say he's probably around the 480 mark. Jeez. Maybe, maybe 460. It does play downhill and he threw it basically to circles edge. So like he was throwing like a 430 foot, would be my guess forehand. And I think that if you, if you put that into context to the, what ended up going down, like that's a monster forehand. Yeah. That's a huge forehand on coverage. It just didn't look that like on coverage, watching Ricky do it twice made me be like, how did everyone not produce? Yeah. He's smashing those forehands. Yeah. Well, it was obvious he was throwing it hard, but you, the way he, like where he got to with his drive and the forehand and how easily he did it twice in a row it made it just seem like a much easier hole than I think it really was. Cause I think it wasn't giving credit to how far Ricky was throwing. Yeah. Both his drive and his forehand. My other issue with the final hole is par was just too easy. Yeah. So if you you're playing, play yeah, for, for MPO, if you knew, like if I'm Isaac Robinson, I know I don't have the distance off the tee or I don't want to, cause really for guys like that, Gannon, Isaac, those type of players for them to birdie that hole, they would have to throw a huge backhand and then a roller yeah. and a roller is very risky, obviously on that second shot. So if I'm Isaac in that situation, I know I'm not birding it. So I'm just playing for par and playing that hole for par. That second shot is so open. You can get literally go anywhere yeah. and be in. There is just no, it, it takes away the drama there was literally all about Ricky birdying yeah, it. Ricky and we got lucky enough to where it came down to that. And Gannon shot. Cause Gannon could have birdied in. That is true. Like the, so I think it, what I agree with you at the beginning, like I thought initially it was going to be a terrible hole finishing hole. I think with what we saw, it turned out to be a lot better. I do think it was a better FPO hole mm-hmm. because they're playing it as a five and that was definitely their landing zone off the tee was way trickier than what we were dealing with. And they were getting their second shots. Like good second shots would get like past the trees in the fairway and bad second shots would get like shorter. So they would have to go. It was, it just played much better for FPO five where I think what could have been way more exciting is if they would have removed the Mando. Because you have another thing that you couldn't see from coverage is on the tee pad, you do have bushes slash trees right to your left. And so it's not a wide open shot. But if they remove the Mando, you could throw like a flex, tight flex through this little gap kind of that gets obviously out into the open. But you could go like a tight flex or you can go like aggressive hyzer flip up. And you could potentially punch to get closer to those trees to where other everyone could get the bird or get, get the birdie, but you're yeah, risking risk now of never clearing and then having to throw your third there. So like in that situation, I think Gannon, if there was no Mando, I think Ricky plays the same way, but I think Gannon goes aggressive to try to get farther up there. And I think that just adds a little more drama, but yeah. it's probably a safety Mando though. Cause that's where they line. That's where the all the are. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it would have been but I mean, would have made a better hole. Spectators but, yeah. love getting this thrown over their heads. That is true. Hole that three at hilarious. USCDC was like one of the best places to spectate. Is like right there on the road and just that, having players yeah. that was cool. shots over. It, it is sick. electric. Yeah. It is you, sick. Hearing a disc fly over your head with some velocity is cool. Yeah. Oh, the noise is it's like a big whoosh. It's yeah. crazy how much different. The, like, cause there is like, if you throw 55 miles per hour and you throw 70, 55, you hear it. No, you don't hear it. Yeah. There's no noise. 70, you. Phew, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, all right. So finishing hole, we got that Ricky's shocker. Ricky has a massive forehand, just huge forehand. Yeah. Um, I do want to quickly talk about the Sarah Ho- uh, Hokum debacle. Yeah, we didn't talk about this on group locked. You guys, you guys didn't miss this one. 
I was surprised because I thought I thought this was like one of the bigger stories that didn't get covered as much, mainly because it was so early in the tournament. It was, yeah. It was just, if it, it was, was later, enough, if this was to get into the finals, it would have been big. Yeah. So basically, I guess what happened was she was edge. She was in circle two. Well, the, the, to give a little backstory, like Evelina was out of it. Mm-hmm. Evelina had no chance, like on hole fifteen, and it was basically. Uh, it was basically Sarah or Natalie. Uh, it was down to them two. Yeah. So I think going into hole 18, she was only Sarah about was only thinking about Natalie, but she didn't realize that Evelina had like birdied the last couple holes yeah, to get herself kind of back in it, which I don't know how that happens without like the leaderboard only has like eight people on it. So I'm, I don't know if they were looking at the leaderboard. I think they were, they might've just been gut checking it. I think they were looking at the leaderboard up to like hole 16. This, this is all speculation. Maybe yeah. maybe Trevor can do some uh, journalistic research and, and get like the real story. Trevor can be a big J journalist. Yeah, get the big story of like actually what went down. But my guess is like they saw that it was only between her and Natalie and we're like, let's just focus on match play basically here on out. And so going into hole 18, that didn't change. They didn't yeah. look to be like, wait, let's check to see because they were also in the second group. Yes. So they pretty much kind of knew what they had to shoot. I think, I don't know. It was weird, but go ahead and oh, it was weird. Yeah, go it was ahead and break down situations. what ended she up had. Happening. She had a circle two putt. I believe it was for birdie. Is that correct? Or was it for uh, par? par? It was for par. Mm-hmm. And she needed to hit that to have a tie with Evelina, which she had the tiebreaker of seed. Correct. Um, Evelina's parked. So Evelina, it's not like a, I'm going to lay this up and make Evelina hit a putt. And initially, that's what I thought that might have happened is I thought maybe she thought Evelina, because Evelina was back to her putting struggles. Yeah, like if it was a 15-footer, I could understand it. I thought that maybe what it was is maybe she didn't walk. That's not even a joke. I'm like, if it was a 15-footer, I'd been like, okay, that's fair. Evelina airballed like two or three 15-footers. Yeah. Still? Yeah. 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 Like Evelina probably would have won the tour championship. Gone, she, I know. We've. We've been through the whole season. Nick. I'm going to tell you right now to give you guys, if she fixes her putting in the off season, I think she, this is my hot take. She's going to make Chris and Tatar season look mediocre. <laughs> wow. That's, that's my a, hot take. That's a that's, that is a hot that's take. my hot take. That is a hot take. That is very hot. I, take. I think that's a fair thing to say. Like, okay. That, that take is on fire. Because her 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 outside her outside putting's not bad, and she could compete with. When she's like thirty five feet, she's like cashing those in. Yeah, she does. It's, it's just when she, when she gets, gets close, and and she's so good at throwing that she's close all the time. That is very true. That is very true. So regardless, so okay. So I think Evelyn is parked. Evelyn is parked for a birdie. So Hokum has a thirty. She's just outside circle two. Thirty eight just footer. Circle one. Thirty eight yeah. footer. A makeable putt by all means. Yes. Um, and she has to make it Correct. to get in. Correct. She makes it, she's in, she misses it, she's out, and she laid it up. Yep. And she, I think she fist pumped after. I think that's the only, that the only way I knew is a layup because, again, I've had plenty of putts myself that I was trying to make, and people are like, good layup. And, like, not sarcastically. Not sarcastically, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So the only way I knew it wasn't one of those situations is she literally fuss, uh, fist pumped her caddy afterwards, like, we All did right, it. We got it. Congrats. We got, we got it locked and in. And she lost. She was knocked out. Evelina was in. Yeah. And I really wish they would have gotten... See, this is where we're speculating because we don't have any information. I really wish they would have gotten an interview with her Well, I think one or fact, two things happened. Because I she, wanted to know what happened. Either she didn't know that Evelina was in it or she thought Evelina had thrown one more shot than she did. Yeah, maybe. But again, it's like we have Udisc. So that, that's where it's like... It was maybe Was Udisc wrong? I would love to know that. Yeah, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it a USDGC last year, Paul yeah. and Kyle, where Udis is wrong? I'll say it could have been a scenario I would love that. that Sarah Hokum thought Evelyn is parked, Evelyn is parked for par. I just need to lay this up. That would bogey be fascinating. We need to talk to Sarah about that. That would be fascinating. Because it could have been a scenario like that to where she was she watching Evelina exactly and what, did exactly what she should have so, done. And then it was like, oh, shoot, Evelina actually birdied. Or, or even worse, it was one where... The which I don't think is the case because I think we would have caught that, but it was one where Udisc had Evelina one shot worse. I will say, I will earlier say earlier in the round, like they put her down when as I a was, bogey. I was looking at the score at this point. I don't think I saw Did she shoot up potentially. Well, no, I don't think I was. I, don't, I wasn't watching coverage till after you texted me because I was. I was looking at the score at this moment, in uh-huh. it. and I do remember thinking after it was done, 
how did how did Evelina beat her? I remember having a split second before you text me thinking that didn't make sense. So they might have gone in and been like, oh, Evelina, you birdied 17. We thought you got a par. And then I remember boom, she I, just I don't jumps know the what, stroke. I don't we I gotta didn't know pay what attention happens. to like what exactly I do. I just remember having that thought of like it didn't make sense when I looked at the score. Because I I too, now that we're saying that, I was looking at just the score and I remember thinking Sarah was in like it was a lock. Wow. But I don't remember why. We got to get the full story. We got to get the full story now. So I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the but score. But it's a volunteer. Yeah. It's just a volunteer, Silas. And so that, you can't get upset by the volunteer. It's not the official score until it's really? over. Because yeah. like, you'd have to know. Like It's your responsibility as a player if me and you are going to the final hole yeah. and I know I have a stroke on you to watch you throw and be like, this is your putt for birdie. Yeah. Now there is an official PDGA, but again, like all these things, like the way that we're doing scores right now, I don't, it's a very unfortunate if that's yeah. what happened. If all that's right. what happened. We I remember, I remember having an inkling anymore. of like, I was confused for a second, man. That's looking at the score. Then. All right. The last, score was messed up. last thing I have, um, obviously Kristen Tatar, we can quickly, Kristen, Kristen won, Ricky won. Um, Both no, broke no, their, broke the record for we'll, most cash. We'll season. get to that in a second. Oh, okay. Uh, no really surprise there from either one. Like it no. wasn't like the only surprise for me was that the people who should have won did win. Oh, okay. look at this format. That surprises do me. I don't know if Ricky Why? was, I don't know if he was like previously we've seen like Nathan queen win, true. Missy Nathan Gannon win. I don't think Ricky would have been King. Win. I don't think Ricky would have been the favorite coming into this. I wouldn't have said cause from of course, a, from a, yeah, exactly. Especially every time he played hole one, it was like guaranteed he's going to be. That's why I think he knew he had a birdie 18 because he did not want to go to hole one. Yeah. That was the next playoff hole. Yeah. Hole one, hole one, Isaac Robinson wins. Isaac Robinson wins. Hey, I don't think that would have well, been a shocker. He missed a couple putts. He missed a lot he of putts. three putts. He missed several putts that he would not normally make. He missed make. three yeah. putts that he normally makes. But yeah, he also I mean, hit a couple putts that he just... But he, I mean, that's Isaac, though. He's like one of the best putters in the world. He might be great. the best putter in the world. According to the DGA course <laughs> by Andrew Marwee, is. Yes, that really? is true. Well, I yes. That. Probably, probably, I mean, it's got to be... Facts can be... Marweed? Yeah. Marweed. Marweed did not play in DDO, though, so take that into account. Mm. Um... Yeah, so I think I think the two the two wins by them weren't shocking at all. No, no. Uh, I don't think any on the any anyone on the MPO side was really shocking as at their performances. Um, it was pretty. I mean, I think I thought I thought Coling was going to make it one more round. He was one stroke off. He was close. Wow. Yeah, he was very close. Um, what his, was the condition difference between the play and day in the first round? The only difference was it just the tee pads the were only, slick. The only difference was the tee pads were a little slicker, but like our round, the tee pads were still pretty slick on some holes. Because I thought it was fascinating. Like it, the tee pads like didn't get good until the one. the tee pads didn't get really that great until like they were perfect and moving forward after round one. Was my round one one? Yeah, it was my round. There was like three tees that I remember being like, "It's this is not great." Yeah, What's the ideal surface for a tee pad? In your opinion, I like I like brushed concrete. You know what I was thinking? You know what I was thinking? Tennis, tennis courts. I've heard like that the, before. Like, the, like, the, like the, the, the the asphalt, whatever they use on tennis courts. When it rains on tennis courts, it like absorbs the water really well. It has to rain a whole lot on a tennis court to actually have puddles. Yeah. And when it rains on tennis courts, it absorbs it really well, and you can still kind of dark horse run around and not like. They, they play, when it's raining, they play for a while on tennis before they shut it down. And I was like, I'm thinking, I'm like, that might be the best, but I think it's got to be probably pretty expensive. Yeah. No, I'm sure it is. It's got to be probably pretty but, expensive. But um, I just thought it was fascinating, the scores, even the Coling shot, like the play-in scores, like plus I wasn't one and minus one got look at, in. Look at the players. The players that were there were not the wooded golfers. The only, bump, wooded, up. the only wooded golfers from that play-in group were Jeremy Coling, and he just had an off day. Yeah. And then um, Andrew Presnell. But this course was super heavy to like the turnover backhand game, which I don't know if that is his ideal. Because he doesn't... Ideally, you look at someone like an Isaac Robinson, right? Isaac, we saw him throw maybe one or two forehands the entire round, so you can get through the the, the you can get through the course pretty well with a with a backhand. But his yeah. backhand dominance is the Heiser flip. Yeah. He's absolutely disgusting I'm at su- it. Yeah, I'm surprised Dickerson didn't get up there. You know, what a golfer. Dickerson, yeah, like he he might have been a little surprised that not doing as well as he did. He but it's also but it's also one round. Like the, yeah. that's what I was saying. It's the chaos. The chaos on this is like it's one round. 
Some people are going to go out and have a hot round. Some people aren't. So, um, let's talk about this though, real quick. Okay. Another one. Do we feel like the advantage? Cause right now, if you, you know, you get an advantage for placing well, uh, throughout the year, right? You get an advantage for <laughs> you get an advantage for you get, sorry about that. Uh, that was the first time I ever heard that live. I've heard that I've heard that over the mics once or twice, but that was the first time <laughs> I ever heard it in person. So you get it you obviously get an advantage. The big the biggest advantage of all is just like not having to get through, right? That's the ma- having buys. That is the biggest advantage. For sure. I mean it, on paper. It's the mass No, it isn't. I have I if you're a play in person, you have no guaranteed money. No, yeah, playing, playing, and you have to win multiple rounds. But playing, you're not in the tour championship yet. Sure, okay. Let's say my round. There is a massive advantage for having a good season, which there should be. Yeah. Of where you already, you literally only have to play one good round, and then if you play one good round, you have to beat three people. Yes. Yeah. That's a massive advantage. It just, it just my historically round, hasn't worked out. Sure, but there also hasn't been that many like years of of looking back on this to really have an idea of what you know facts the format's are showing. got better. What did it, it like used to be format. you had to win your card to get off your card. That's a terrible. That's, that's, that's terrible. That's that far ter- enough back. Because like I mean, what if you play with someone that just shreds and you shoot nine under and then someone no, else that's gets what, that was a problem. That's terrible. Because yeah. so like, there was like two I, wild cards that got in, but that's that was the previous problem was like you were on your card and it was like based on seating. I don't like that. Yeah, no, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah, my my whole it's point. Better, my whole point is the advantage. I mean, what's a better format? The eva- no, 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 no advantage. We'll get to that in a second. My point is the buys is a massive advantage, and it should be. I'm not arguing that it shouldn't be. It is a massive advantage, and it should be. The other advantage you have with going last is you have the advantage of knowing what the people in front of you are doing, so you know what you need to do. Now, on a course like this, it helps a little bit, mainly just to get to hole 18. Um, and maybe 17, some people might get a little more aggressive trying to play that for Eagle knowing they have to. Um, but I could totally see that helping way more in the future on certain courses of knowing like, Oh, I just have to par out. And so you play the safer plays, whatever coming in. So there's an advantage there. My question is, is having the tiebreaker. Do you feel like that is taking the advantage too much now? Of where if you're the higher seed, and again, this is not talking about two versus 30, okay? I'm literally talking about someone that finished seventh and someone that finished eighth. There wasn't that big of a difference between the two. And really, if you finish seventh and eighth, there really isn't an advantage between the two as of right now, right? You both get your buys to semis. Yeah. And you're both going to be on the same card. So there really isn't any advantage. The only advantage from being seventh versus eighth right now is if you both shoot the same score, seventh goes in. Do you like that? Or would you like to see uh, would you like to see a playoff? I don't mind it in this format just because the seventh to eighth example you just used, yeah, like that's probably the negative side. But I wouldn't want to see a playoff between Rick and the person in 32nd when Rick dominated the the season if they shot the same. Because like Rick beat up on him all year. Mm-hmm. So like he should get that advantage. Ricky should have that advantage. Because like going into the but, round, once But you, he already has the advantage. So you're saying it, but like is it really? Because like when you when the tee off that round, yeah. everything's reset. That's true. So there is no advantage anymore. The only advantage would be he would be teeing last. Yeah. So he kinda yeah, has sure. an idea. So, so he has Rick a has small advantage. advantage. Um but then you have the tied round, so you both play the exact same. Mm-hmm. I would want Rick to have the advantage of like he had a great season. He's the one moving on versus you got to go play this guy again on 18 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's with this format. Because it also yeah, like one, to, one to two, it's brutal. But at the same time, Ricky had a better season than, than Paul in second. It also eliminates the playoff every single time. Yeah, you're probably going to get playoff almost every for the most yeah. part for most of the rounds. So I don't mind it. I don't like the format as a whole. I think there could be better. Let's formats, talk about that. Let's talk about the format as a whole. I think if you're going strictly off of chaos and like March Madness, right? Because again, March Madness, my argument with March Madness is if you are looking for the best team and wanting to crown them national champions, March Madness is probably not the best format to do that. No. But as far as an entertainment side, it is one of the best sporting events in the world. 
does that does that translate to, to disc golf? Does the way that the format currently is set does I'm gonna say no. Does that create more chaos? Well, it creates more chaos, but does yes. it create more entertainment than a stroke advantage coming? Entertainment in? chaos? Yes, yes. You think the, it does do more entertainment too? I think it creates more entertainment because it is it's it's chaotic. People like seeing the people like seeing what it is. But the difference between March Madness and this is everyone all seasons playing each other. Mm-hmm. March Madness, you have a Davidson that did not play Kentucky, Duke, Wisconsin, True. whoever else was there. So they went out of their conference playing no top schools, no top anything. You don't know how good Davidson is. That is true. So Davidson can come in as a 12, 13, 14 seed, or we've seen some 16 seeds upset one seeds, and they come in and it's head to head, and it's like, wow, this ball team's a lot better than a 12 seed. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, it's a Cinderella story, but it's because Davidson with Steph Curry played against a bunch of nobodies all year, bullied them, and no one knew how good Steph Curry was until you put him on the big stage in front of the lights. True. So that's where March Madness, I think, has to live that way because it's similar to like football. It needs to expand because when you have strength of schedule factored in, the Alabamas, the Auburns, it's like Michigans, there's some schools that are always going to have the bet. Like they could get. We Alabama. still don't know how some, how good some of these teams Exa- are. Like what was the team? UCF? Was that the team that claimed they were national champions like two years yes. ago? Yes. And it's like they how good undefe- were they actually? They went undefeated. They went undefeated, but they didn't have a super Cincinnati in the years past, yeah. same thing. And then. Because yeah, you'll have yeah. Alabama. Like Alabama just lost to Tennessee. I don't know if that's their only loss this season. It is. It is. So they might still get into the playoffs. They yeah. could. Man, yeah, they still, hold, they their, have strong, their, they still hold their destiny. You take someone else, right, who's outside of the SEC. If they lose once, their playoff dreams are over. Period. Correct. And it's based strength on strength of schedule. schedule. Yeah. Because, but that's where they. Have I to see expand. what you're saying. Of Whereas where this, we're playing. Everyone's playing. The playing same so it's like the, it's more like the NFL. It'd be like if everyone was in the SEC. Yeah, it's more like the NFL in the sense that like there is enough teams that play each other that then play them and then so you kind of have an idea of who's better than who yeah going into the playoffs and it's the same thing as like going into the tour championship you're not thinking like oh is is brody better than ricky yeah like no like you have you've had months of data that shows that ricky is better that to me is why i think the tour championship should go to a format that gives statistically someone in the top five or six is going to win pretty much every time the tour championship Mm -hmm. because they've over this course of the season and especially with all this money on the line so i think that's where the stroke advantage comes in because like is it possible for an isaac robinson to beat ricky with that stroke advantage is it possible yeah but it's going to take isaac robinson playing out of his mind and ricky Ricky to play bad and ricky playing bad yeah and it takes everyone between them doing the same thing the stroke advantage also I'll just say this on the entertainment side of things way easier to know what's going on. Yes. Cause there were so, I didn't realize how many people were so confused with this format Yeah, of ladies didn't understand. Heck my mom texted me. She always texted me before my, before my rounds. She texted me on Saturday, um, wishing me good luck. On my round. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm out. Like I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. So that that would probably ease it a little bit, like going into it, because again, it's one of those where after the end of round one, you see the scores. The scores are very similar to what you see all season, and you're like, oh, Ricky's fourteen under. This person's thirteen under. This person's twelve. Yeah. You know what? People and are, also, where what people it gives stand. you is in the final round, we were fortunate. I mean, it happened a little on FPO where it was over with like 14 holes in, 13 holes, 15 holes in. But yeah, but at that point, you're really just like paying attention to who's going to get second. Yeah. But now if it's a much bigger leaderboard, a there's more of a chance someone pushing for first. Yep. You don't have to worry about you're only covering four people. So you don't have anything to cut to in between a lot of downtime and you that do have the it. chance that of someone running away. It. But now if you had a full field, so all 32 players are playing all four rounds, right? You have people to cut to. And with the cash going all the way down, there's way more storylines. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say Ricky just ran away with it. Second place is still playing for 20 grand. So, like, there's still a storyline there. And you might still have someone from fourth card or third card charging like a normal tournament to where there's way more storylines to follow and bounce back and forth. So, you don't have this old live disc golf type downtime where we're just covering four people. Because, like, 
it builds, it builds, it builds. It's a random, chaotic, exciting thing, but the coverage gets worse as the weekend goes on. Not their true. fault. It's just Less the format. Less. Like live coverage of four people sucks. Yeah, it does. It just, there's no way around so it. So slow. Because yeah. that's what people used to hate about live coverage. You don't want to, if I'm sitting on my couch, I don't want to just watch four people. Well, you got to think too, we're playing a, a really short course also of where like they're throwing shots and getting to their disc pretty quickly. Imagine if we were playing if the tour championship next year was on a course that was more mixed yeah. where you're throwing 500 foot shots. Yeah. Like what are you doing for the, that 45 to a minute? I of think people walking down the fairway. I think this format's super great for, for like a, what are those like extra events? Like a, expedition not expedition exhibition yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like okay. exhibition wow. yeah, yeah yeah i think this is a great format for that but i think when you're trying to crown someone a tour champion it like ricky won the points and luckily he won the tour championship if ricky hadn't won the tour championship no one's remembering he won the points this year when ricky said this obviously a lot of people think he says this because he didn't win worlds but in his defense it is a true statement winning the tour points is the hardest thing to do yeah because it means you're the most consistent throughout the entire year it was the hardest thing to do there should be a bigger advantage and like more notoriety to that and i think that the stroke advantage is the way to do it because then more than likely ricky's coming in with a stroke advantage probably like two or three strokes over paul so could ricky lose over four four uh, round event absolutely but you're giving ricky the best chance possible to win this final event and be the tour champion and then, like, if Paul or whoever else, like, makes the comeback, they make the comeback. But it's, like, a normal tournament, and I think that would be less electric, but make more sense for the title. You want to know, again, there's obviously, like, not that, I'll say it. It's, it's kind of interesting. So, if you add up the rounds, both rounds, the semis rounds and the final rounds from both FPO and MPO, they would have finished the same. And like the same order. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Again, that's one of those things that it's not necessarily the case. Like, right. Like, like if someone could have squeaked into the finals and then popped off. Yeah. Because it resets. Exactly. So you, it didn't happen this time, but, um, the format allows it to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have. Yeah. It, Nathan queen pop off last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other, here's the other thing I'll say too. The other thing I'll say is obviously you do have people like Paul, you have people like Ricky, you have people at the top that you want them to be in the tournament as long as possible. Mm -hmm. If Paul has or Ricky or any of those top guys have like an, somewhat of an off season a little bit next year. And let's say they don't even make it to the buy, right? They don't even make it to semis. They make it to the quarters. And they just have that one round and they just don't play that well. They're just out for the rest of the tournament. Well, you're also guaranteeing at most you're getting two rounds of coverage of them at most. That is true. Yeah. You're only seeing them for the semis and the finals. Yeah. And I guess that's a lot of people's like uh, argument for cuts is like you don't want to have the best players miss the cut. But but who's covering all the way down there? But um, the other thing too was the play-in event coverage that was awful disc golf. It was terrible. Like I was trying to watch it. And I mean, I mean, someone got in shooting plus one, like they made that course look like this was going to be the worst weekend of disc golf to watch. And then the next very next day, I was like, Oh, this is exciting. Like it was, it was brutal. Like I saw posts on Facebook. They're like people who are like, why don't we cover the fifth card? This is why, like, this is what you're watching. And like, that's what this I don't event know leads about, to. Yeah. I don't know about fifth card. I mean, the, the conditions that was on Facebook. Yeah. The, condi- yeah, the conditions they're playing. Well, there, there's also a reason why you're not, uh, you know, the fifth card, you're not seeing every one of their shots because they're not in contention, but you know, yes, this is where I think live trumps, um, and in, in this kind of argument, I think live trumps post because in post you're just if someone's having a bad round you're just stuck with seeing all their shots we're live you can just be like we're not showing those shots but not in this now format. obviously in this format they can't do that and that's what sucks and is now the problem now you're you getting can't stuck. drop you can't drop someone you're getting stuck watching the shots and you're watching them walk to their lives yeah. and it's like on top of everything you might watch one guy throw four times before you see a good drive all right let's talk about money brutal let's talk about money 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 Chris Zatar takes over the record first at one hundred three thousand dollars and one hundred forty one dollars. Ricky, I thought Ricky was Ricky topped it, then okay, topped it yeah, shortly yeah. after at one hundred five thousand seven hundred seventy six. If Kristen played one of the two majors, wow. she has the title for sure. 
Also, play in every event? No, not every event, but he made the majors. Gotcha. Also, he missed two majors. Okay. What do you guys think? Here's a good question. How much money do you think Kristen Tatar, because I'm not going to use the COVID year because the COVID year is like Dark Horse and it's like yeah. whatever. How much money do you think Kristen Tatar won in 2019? She won over $100,000 this year. 2019, just a couple seasons ago. 22,000. 22, I'll go 19. She won $10,000. Oh. Yeah. That what? was the year she won U.S. Women's, too. Yep. Yeah. She was a major champion that year. Yep. She got second at Maple Hill that year, too. She got sixth at Worlds that year. She got fifth at European Open that year. But like the payouts the payouts have gone way up for FPO and also she just played in more FPO events well, this also year. Also, she didn't finish off the podium this year. Yeah. She didn't really finish that bad in this. I mean, she has like a sixth and a fifth. And but was she playing all, Pro Tours? That's what I'm saying. She's playing like Prodigy Pro Tours. She was playing stuff European over in Europe. That, yeah. That's the big difference between coming. Like she was getting $200 for winning tournaments over there yeah. where now she's for coming over first. Yeah. For, that was in Europe. In Europe. In Europe. But now Still. she's coming over here getting first. And well, just, if you win, a, if you go to a local B tier and you win 200 bucks and you beat four people, it's well, like great. Like B tier and like A tier European. I guess those it's are the not same as big. Uh, FPO over in the States is massive, man. Um, so like. It's good to see. Yeah, they're taking they're taking lots and lots of money home. Lots and lots of money. Both of them. Lots of money. And and it's also cool to see like I think. I think Missy, if she would have won this year, she would have broke her record. Mm-hmm. So it's like she was right there. I think Gannon, if he would have won, mm-hmm. he would have broke it. If Paul came in second, even Paul with, with, I think with Paul who, how it finished, if Paul would have got Paul second, came in second, he has this cash record. Yeah, ahead so, of Ricky and Kristen. If Paul finished uh, second, that's, he had eighty six thousand. Um, going 20. into and he would have got twenty, but he finished and fourth. So he got I nine. think that's a testament to how like. How purses are growing, how much the purses have gone up simply just because you have other people. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Other than that, I do have a question. More impressive season, Kristen or Ricky. And there's two ways to think mm-hmm. about this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go outside the box a little bit. I mean, I would say, well, I'm going to say Kristen. <laughs> well, it depends on how you she's, look at it. She's, uh, that's she's one way on the podium. That's yeah. one way of thinking about it. That's I would definitely say, one way of thinking like, about so it. Basically, I guess the logic here is Kristen Tatar didn't finish off the podium. She had probably just as many or more wins than Ricky, but she was doing it against a field that's half the size. I would, well, I, I would, I would phrase it differently. I think she was doing it against a field that only a couple people that's could also compete. true. She was doing it against the 20, it doesn't 14 really, or 13 I don't, MPO field. I don't think, yeah, I don't think. If the like FPO beating, field goes to 80 people, it's even more impressive than 40. That's a good point. Because she was beating... You're just adding more Paige, people. Cat, Henna, Evelina. Sometimes Missy. And then Haley wasn't even on tour most Haley of the time. Haley wasn't touring. Own can only win at some courses. Mm-hmm. So she's beating... Realistically, most weekends, she's beating four to five players. And Ricky had to probably beat 20. And so she finished third out of those four to five players. That means she only beat two of them. And Ricky was having to beat 20 people consistently. Yeah, but... So you'd have, that's, you'd the have ar- to take that, the, that's the argument. You'd have to yeah. take it and do like a percentage breakdown. Yeah. More than likely, Kristen had a more impressive season. More than likely, if you do the percentage breakdown, because finishing top three, that means she never lost to everyone mm. that she that could regularly beat her. I think Ricky only lost to everyone once, though. Des Moines. That was his only bad tournament. Yeah. Kristen also won a major. But that's, Ricky hasn't won a major since 2017. And that's a big one. Oh. People want to know. When's Ricky going to win the big one? That is tough. I mean, Ricky's that is really hurting Ricky's legacy because Ricky in this stretch, like he's been a dominant force, probably one of, if not the best player in the world in this 27 to 2022 reign. Um, but in the same time frame, we've seen Paul win two worlds in a USDGC and we've seen Ricky win no majors at all. And Paul's probably won more majors than that. I'm just, those are the big titles that popped off to me because 2019, uh, and then we've seen other players win majors and like majors are worth so much. Like Ricky's still a two time world champ. Mm-hmm. Which also had none. And Paul's six now. Mm-hmm. Ricky's still a zero time US champ and Paul's three. Like that's something that's the type of stuff you're remembered by. And so like how good your season are is and like what Ricky says, you know, about I'd much rather have the tour points thing. 
who was a tour points champion last year? I just don't think that's going to be. Yeah, I Paul, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I talked about it all year. I don't think that's going to be a statistic <laughs> that gets uh, like major wins is that's a big thing. I think major wins and disc golf pro tour wins. I think those two will get brought up sure. right now. The world's and us titles sure. are the titles. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Right yeah, now for sure. But even if you go major, people wins, still talk about on the season, how many times you won on the season. But then the next season, but the next day it resets. Like right now, if you're like how many disc golf pro, like if it would, you don't hear that many times how many times Ricky has won on the Pro Tour and how many times Paul has. No, as the Pro Tour becomes the official tour it and will. continues, then you'll hear it more. But like Paul's also one major title away from tying Ken Climo's record at seventeen. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. twelve of Climo's is a twelve of Climo's is worlds. But it's, it's just like be, that type of stuff is like when people look back at these years, these stretches, Ricky's dominance or Ricky's like vying for the top player is going to fall kind of on deaf ears because his major drought. Let's let's think about this real quick because I feel like I was hammering this point at the beginning of the season hard of the fact of there are better and better and better players that aren't on tour, that are starting to tour. And on top of that, you're getting more and more players that are taking touring and being a professional athlete more and more serious. Mm-hmm. So last year... The people that were like in contention to win, you had Ricky, Paul, Calvin, Dickerson, Eagle, Eagle. Mm-hmm. That was that was basically pre- it. Sometimes you'd have other people sneak in, but like week in and week out, if you had three of those five in your top five, top three, you're looking good. Okay, so this year I don't think any of those people fall off other than Eagle, but Eagle obviously he was, hurt. was hurt. But I think all those people still stay on. Mm-hmm. Beginning of the season, you have to put Drew in there. Yeah. Then, obviously, Gannon is in there. Obviously, Isaac Robinson is in there. Yeah. I think you also can sprinkle in Matty O. Matty O. He, just, he never was able to win Trevor one. Trevor claims he can't win, which is a fair thing, but he's always up there. He <laughs> was in there. Um, Simon was up there a few times. you got to put Simon Simon's in there. So definitely can win. That's 10, so that's doubled. And we're definitely missing a few people. That's doubled already. I'm gonna Corey pull. Ellis went Corey Ellis, to, you have to put him in there. You have to put him in there. He had two playoffs. Well, no, one playoff. Two. Maple Hill and D'Lo. Did, did, you, did you go to a playoff in Maple Hill? Yes. Oh, he had the upshot to win. You're right. Yeah. No, he, Simon yeah. just won outright. Oh, yeah. He should have he, he he gone playoff. to a playoff. He, he had a 150-foot upshot to go yeah. into a playoff. He forced the playoff in Deglo. He should have at least gone to the playoff at Maple Hill. Yeah. But you got to put him in there. So that's 11 right yeah. now. Who else are we missing? Do you have Calvin in there? Calvin's yeah. already in there. Joel Freeman. I don't know if I would say he could win. Nicholas Antilla. You got to yeah. put him in there. Yeah. Put him in that's there. 12. Kyle Klein. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's. He could win. That's borderline. He's a similar spot as last year. Uh, then after that, it it's after that, it, it becomes like people like an Alden Harris that could, could pop it. off, but yeah. isn't in that same mix. Yeah. So probably James Conrad this year, I, I think, think is in that mix. I think, 11. I think you'd find 15 if you wanted to. Oh, you can easily but, find but 15. 11 to 15 would be a stretch. Yeah. 11 to 15 are going to be those guys that there's way let's say this too so there's 11 this year that we said like could win simply because they either did or they almost did yeah last year there was like five okay that doubled then now people that like could pop off last year compared to this year i think also doubled at least because you got to put in like that's the one that this year because that's the thing to me is like this year what was happening was not necessarily people were popping off and winning but people were popping off into top tens and that's why you saw players sometimes like I mean, a Paul fall to 51st at DDO. Uh, Ricky do a similar thing at um, Des Moines. You saw Simon go all over the place. He'd win two in a row and then he'd disappear. I'm sure there's other names on here, but let me let me just throw out a couple things real quick. These are these are UDIS world rankings, okay? And these are people that almost won this year. Okay. 73rd in the world, Luke Humphreys. Yeah, he started off the season hot. Okay. You got, I'm not counting Logan Harpool, 69 DDO. I'm not counting DDO just because the conditions were crazy. Um, Jake Mon, 63rd USCDC. Yeah. Well, did he really almost win? I mean, he was in contention up Through until two rounds. Yeah. Did he, he fell off, off that three. much? Okay. Robert Burridge, 58. Yeah. In the world. 
Well, it was his top thing. He was uh, Des Moines. With Simon. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. Aaron Gossett. Where's Aaron Gossett? Hold on, hold on. Oh, Tristan yeah. Tanner, 50th, was in mix, was winning worlds out of the B pool. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then you've got Chandler Kramer, 45th, European, European Open. Open. Gavin pa- Babcock, 44th, Champions Cup. And then you have... Good for Gavin. That's actually higher than I thought he was going to Aaron Gossage, 26th. So, like, there are a bunch of people in here, too. Like, Garrett Gerthy, he can win any event. Andrew Marweed, he can win a lot of events on tour. I mean, we're not even talking about Nico wasn't even on tour. Like, he can win events. He's proven that. Yeah. Vino Makalov can win. Linus Carlson was in MVP. MVP. Um, Hammies, Bradley Williams won. We didn't even put his name in oh, there. Yeah. He's 20th. So, I was hammering this in, early in the season about how much the field just so good. is getting better and better. I'm going to hammer it even more. Because again, this offseason, I think last year we saw a little bit with some of the big contracts coming out. People were getting hyped about that. This offseason, you not only have those big contracts in the back of your head of like, I'm going after that. You also have like, I can win six figures on tour essentially if I have a good season, right? Or like 80,000, whatever. This offseason, I think will be the biggest jump. This isn't even a hot take. This will be the biggest jump in it could be FPO too, but in MPO, I can say for MPO at least, just because the field is getting bigger and bigger, this will be the biggest jump in skill level. I think you'll see between this year and next year. I could see it. I think you're going to see people agree. that were kind of like those people that were kind of like here and there, here and there. I think they might be more consistent. And, and then some I, of them, they're going to disappear. And then some might disappear. But then I also think there's going to be some people that we didn't even talk about at all this yeah, year. Absolutely. Pop up. So like well, next it's like, year, it's like it's going to be so much more. I think it's just going to keep getting more and more exciting. Yeah. Chandler Kramer was on no one's radar. I mean, maybe some local guys. Uh, and he, I still don't think that he, I think he has to develop backhand before he can consistently win. But he at the right course can be there, obviously. Uh, he did it at the Sula Open and then European Open. And we're going back to those. Uh, Alden Harris, I think he's a player that two he's years ago, very good. you know, he's even very this year, good. I think he's still underrated. Um, Isaac Robinson's a player. A lot of people didn't know he has his brother, Ezra Robinson. That's also very solid. Um, Corey Ellis is a player that I knew of and he had popped off a few times, but like he didn't tour fully before yeah. this year. So a lot of people weren't, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's, there's so many players that are like, and then Eagle didn't even play this year. Eagle didn't even play. Eagle didn't even play this year. So he, he's popped in one European open next year. Gosh, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Um, I've got only a couple more things. What, right. what are we doing on time? Let's, we got, we're at it. So we're at it. Okay. At it. These are the last two things. Um, we've got Calvin re-upping his yeah, five, year extension. five year extension. Right. Dang it, we didn't talk about that on grip locked. What the heck are we doing? Uh, no, no money or anything like that to no. talk about. But they did immediately come out with the champion Toro with his name on it, which shows you like that. Innova is like the classic. They set the standard. You win a world title, you get your name on a disc. And if you're Valerie Jenkins, that might not even happen. Sorry. I love Innova, but that was a little uncalled for. Um, and now you have, it just says like, like five time pro tour champion mm. on the Toro. So like it was obvious there was some negotiating going on to get him to stay. I will say like the whole, like you don't get a disc or whatever, whatever, unless you win a major or something. I, I, I feel like that is probably going to slowly yeah, go away. It has away. to. I think it's going to slowly go away. There's, um, there's going to be so many people. Well, so many people are more valuable major win or not. Yeah. Back in like, the day, the only people that mattered were people that won, won majors. Worlds. And like, like no offense or taking anything away from Greg Barsby. He did it against a very strong field, five rounds GMC. Calvin Heinberg's worth more than Greg Barsby name on a disc wise. Well, this season, yeah. I mean, Calvin's one of the top. He's one saying. of the top names in yeah. disc golf. And so, like, if you're looking, if I'm if I'm a viewer of disc golf this season, I got in during COVID. I'm watching disc golf. There's a solid chance Calvin's one of my favorite players, per based on performance. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've seen some of the old Greg Barsby stuff and stuff, he could be mm-hmm. one of your favorite players. But if you're looking based on performance alone, you have Texas State's Barsby popped off, but yep. he didn't really do much else. So he's still a very, very popular. He's still player. a very popular player. But if I'm a new player, I'm more likely to buy a disc that has Calvin's name on it. If I'm buying based on the player's name, than Barsby's name. Here's another like, one. That's something that like wasn't the standard before. Here's another one. Kyle Klein, four-year four I like, I like disc mania. He fits very well with disc mania. He's the third crush boy. I like I like that. Now, four years could be a little long for Cal, for Calvin, five, Kyle, four, both, both pretty, pretty long young. contracts, pretty young players, but they could be on the right side of history if they got big deals. 
because there's a chance that the market bursts over these next like two or three years and then players are like trying to sign deals like the <laughs> 2021 offseason they're trying to sign these big deals and companies are like no one's worth that burst like saws his chances of beating uh connor after missing a 10-foot putt mm. all right we got the last topic Ouch. here i watched that monthly match it was not good um, it didn't bode well for you shooting 20 over at usdgc when you yeah. shot 17 uh, over I, at yeah, if people saw, are watching the last the monthly match i don't but think hey i'm still up 2-1 oh, scoreboard last he thing last thing that. to talk about and i'll say like again this is one of those where i, I don't I'll be the first to say it. Say it. Because I have to. Be because that's why people watch the shows, because I say stuff. Oh, boy. I don't know where this is about to go. I don't feel comfortable. I feel like a lot of people in disc golf give people free passes okay. all the time. No, yeah. They just give so many free passes. Ride them with it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to th- keep throwing stuff on Paige Pierce, but like the mm. whole like documentary. documentary coming out yeah. and then like, oh, you're paying for it type of thing. And then you're going to have to pay for it to watch it. You paid to make it. You got to pay to watch it. Okay. The big skins money match. Why is it behind a $15 paywall? Yeah, I just got that email. What is go what is going on? Well, first off, and also there's the other thing too is like they are I love the whole idea of like doing doing the skins and all that. I think skins is great. I was a part of I was a part of the GK Pro one at Eagles Crossing, the first one out there, and they were doing a lot of money. I just I'm not a huge fan of the way that Personally, I'm not a huge fan of the way that they are getting money for them. So like they were super heavily telling me to promote the event by getting my fans to pay for some, I don't even know what, it, what they're paying for. Oh, and that, like package them. And they're like, we're going to put that money back in for you guys to win. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want it coming directly from fans. I want it coming from sponsors. I don't mind That's, it that's how it, I want it. I want it coming yeah, indirectly. Absolutely. But if it's coming from fans, I would prefer it to just be transparent. That just set also up a GoFundMe, crowdsource, be like, hey, we want to put on the biggest whatever event. Throw money. But the so problem like, with doing that is I just don't think fans are going to put money into that. They might not. Like why... Um. <laughs> Like imagine like, I'm going mean, to buy a disc. I, I'm not, I'm, I love I love doing analogies and I know people hate when I do analogies, but I'll just throw an analogy. If Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson did their match and they're like and they they promoted that and they're like, guys, listen, we want this to be the biggest money match ever, and it's gonna come from your money into these millionaires' pockets. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going for that. And so like the, the well, issue I, you don't word it that way. I know, but like that's what this essentially is, is you have a bunch yeah. of millionaires, you have a bunch of people that made hundreds of thousands of dollars on disc golf in their career going to play this thing, and they want it to be huge, but they want it coming from your pocket to be huge. And I, maybe I'm missing something. And again, I think what GK does, I think is great. I'm, this is not a hit on GK pro no, at that, all that's coming from sponsors. Right? I think what they do, I think, yeah. And, and honestly, the amount of money that they raise for those things is actually way higher than I think it should be. Like, yeah, it's incredible how much money they give out on those things. I was very, well, obviously the one I was at to, was elevated, but I was just very surprised when you see some like, Oh yeah, this is a $5 hole. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. So I think what they're doing $500 is $500 hole. Yeah, five hundred dollars. You said five dollars. You said five dollars. Oh, sorry, five hundred. <laughs> it's unreal. How are they raising this money? <laughs> so again, not a knock on them at all, because yeah. you will have some people be like, "Oh, you're just being a hater." I'm just saying, like the optics of it. Well, I, I, why is this behind a paywall? To me, why is this behind a paywall? I'm all for paying fifteen dollars to see USDGC or whatever. Like this year, it was just behind the DGN paywall, so it's like you're just a subscriber to DGN, you get it for free. Mm-hmm. But like last year. I can see where people were upset, how much it was, but you're paying to watch a major. This is just an exhibition match. Like the only thing that makes this money, the skins match exciting is that there's someone's taking home 50 grand. So like, yeah, I, but I'm like, not paying 15 bucks again to watch it. though. Is it, I'm paying 15 bucks to watch USDGC or world or whatever. I'm not paying 15 bucks to watch a skins. Match. I could be, I could be in the minority here. I just don't know if it's really exciting watching millionaires play for money. I don't, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, me personally, I do not find that interesting. Well, it's because right now, and I think the tide's turning as it should be, but right now as a disc golf fan, you still don't, we don't have the concept yet of how well off a lot of these players are. 
Because like if you rewind the clock a few years back, we didn't know public contracts. True. And the richest players in the sport were making like 400 grand a year even mm-hmm. if they did have public contracts. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we have public contracts. We know the richest players are making a million plus a year. We know that like, if you're high up on the pro tour and you have a big contract, like we know Simon's doing fine. We know Paul's doing fine. Mm-hmm. We know Eagle's doing fine. We know all these, a lot of these players are doing fine. Now, the list is going to big money skins. There's several players on that list. Like if they won 50 grand, that'd be exciting. Oh, there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's tons of people, but the chances of them winning are very slim. Yes. I think. And like when Nathan Queen won the Pro Tour Championship last year, that was electric to see someone win it, 30. It was, imp- it, yeah, but it wasn't just the money though either, though. No, it was like, the that's title. That's the thing is like, yeah, it's, they're fighting. And that's, and that's why you look at someone like Ricky, like Ricky winning $35,000 grand scheme of things is not really life-changing money. No, but the tour champion, but like how exactly how, how happy he was to win that. And that it's the same way as if he wins like an elite series event where it's only a million a year or where it's only $8,000, 35 grand's like what dynamic pays Ricky a little less than every two weeks. Right. I can't, I can't do that math. Uh, I can't. It'd be like 90 grand. But the point, month. the point is, is like someone he's, he's celebrating even if he wins a tour championship Yeah, because he's not celebrating because he's going to have a $9,000 check deposited into his account. He's celebrating because of the t- yeah, the title. Yeah. Every other week, every two weeks. So if he was on like every other week pay scale, he'd get 38 grand from dynamic. Mm. So like money wise, it's basically two weeks of his, uh, I could be in the contract. minority and people might meet, no, people well, might think, be I really think, looking forward to watching this. I think in the future, you're I the s- majority. I think people will come around because I agree. If you're paying to watch the match between two people that you know are multimillionaires, I thought that was, ta- I, I was so mad. That I, 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 uh, I mean, I was there watching in person, but the second one they did, I paid for it. I, I was not happy that I paid for it. Yeah. I was like, I just wasted my money on this, but I think that right now people don't view the Simon, the Ricky, the Eagle, the Pauls as other athletes like LeBron James, uh, because obviously there well, is yeah, that drastic a difference, huge difference. But you still don't view him as like living like, I mean, Paul literally drives a McLaren. So like at some point that mental shift will happen. But for so long, you looked at touring pros and it was like, man, dude, that guy, that guy got an RV that he's pulling behind his truck. Like he's living high on a hog. Yeah. And like that's just a whole different. We're on a whole different pay scale nowadays. I was just, I was just kind of shocked that I saw. I, this I don't event, understand it being because like they're this not event, raising. I didn't think it was going to be behind a paywall. They're not raising a hundred grand behind a paywall. Like and I honestly not, think USCDC eventually won't be behind a paywall either. Well, even this year, we technically saw kind of wasn't. But we saw like we saw Barbasol like they yeah. they were like we we're not going to do commercial. They paid to basically not have commercials the second half. Yeah. So the back, the back nine, we didn't have any, and you see that sometimes with other companies and other sports where like Rolex will be like the next hour is, is is ad free. Thanks to Rolex. This Eagle, this big money skins match. They're not trying to make their money back. There's no way. Cause you're not, why are you charging $15? What money know. are you making back? I don't know. Well, how are they raising a hundred thousand well, dollars on this? Well, no, week? I also think I think spectator passes are really expensive. That might make sense. I think it's like a VIP pass. Probably. I think is is really expensive. So I think they're trying to make it. That, I don't know. I get I weird know. feelings from Eagles Crossing. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say about it. That's for you guys to decide at home. But I had to say something. Exactly. I knew I had to say something. You guys I let us know. It. You always do. Um, we're not going to bring up dress code because I read some of the comments from our last debate night, and I feel like I definitely probably missing. Definitely did not do a good job of describing what I was saying. I will say, everyone on tour that doesn't dress in golf attire, and some people that dress in golf attire can probably do stuff to like look better. There are people that wear golf tire that do- could wear stuff that fits a little bit better. Maybe that matches a little bit better. I agree. I think all that stuff could happen. Do I think it's going to be a monumental change in disc golf? No, I guess that's my differing point. Boom. Okay. We're not getting back into it. That's the show. <laughs>